Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Broadcasting from the Annie Up Studio, it's the longest running poker podcast for the everyday poker player with your host, Joe Scales. <laughs> Hello, A-Team. It's Friday, July 7th. I hope everyone had a safe and happy 4th of July. The magazine went out on the 3rd, just before the Independence Day holiday. I hope you have all checked it out by now. TJ Cloutier was our Where Are They Now this month, and I had such a good time talking with him. And when I was editing the audio clips for the magazine, I kind of relived the interview, so to speak. And I enjoyed it just as much as I did the first time. So seriously, if you haven't opened the July issue, go to anyupmagazine.com slash magazine. I promise you it's worth it. Speaking of worth it, a portion of Any Up Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. And they sent me the Performance Package 4.0. And I promise you it is worth the hype. I have a, a code for any up listeners that will get you 20% off of everything and worldwide shipping. So I, I know we have listeners around the world. Don't worry, you're going to get free shipping too. So go to manscaped.com and enter the code ANTIUP20. Also, don't forget about the ANTIUP free roll tournament with Rockford Charitable Games. There's a sign-up form in the magazine for that, and I'll put a link in the description for today's show as well. I really want to see the A-Team show up for this, so be sure to get your seat by using that link to pre-register. Lastly, I do want to address the audio issues from last week. I tried something new with the the mic, and it really didn't work. Uh, The audio was bad, and I know it, and I apologize. But the show must go on. So I racked it up as lesson learned. And that actually got me to a new tool that made it so I had better quality video. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can tell the, the, the picture is actually a little bit better. So there you go. Anyway, that's all I really have this week. So let's get on with the show. Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table with Table Talk. All right, we're back around the poker table. Thanks to Rockford Charitable Games. Uh, They're playing at Mission Hills Club this weekend, so check them out. Also, here with me this week. We have Elle again. Hey, Elle, how's it going? Good. Good to see you again. So I mentioned Rockford Charitable Games at the beginning. 
but a huge shout out to uh, Jim Jr. from Rockford Charitable because he chopped five-way chop at a the seniors event in at the Venetian. He for his chip stack he got eighty-five thousand. So huge shout wow. out, congratulations! And now he's playing in the main event as well. I haven't heard how he's doing yet. Hopefully he's still in and he's doing well. But hopefully we can get him on to talk to him about his run in the seniors event and his uh, his time at the main event as well. Congratulations, Jim. We're excited for you. And uh, thanks again for sponsoring Table Talk this week. So speaking of the main event. Yeah. Lots they, still going on. Big, yeah, well, big yeah. of our household in July. <laughs> That's a good thing. They they yeah. shattered they shattered the main event record. Um, just absolutely crushed it. Uh, last I last I saw was nine thousand three hundred and thirty seven, and they were still going. Wow. Uh, the the previous record was eight thousand seven hundred and seventy three, I believe. So. Absolutely crushed it. It's huge. Well, what is the history of the WSOP anyway? I mean, I know I've heard a lot, uh, you know, around on social media, Twitter, so on and so forth about how exciting it is that they have um, broken this record. And of course, breaking a record is exciting anytime, anywhere, anyhow you do it. Um, to me, I think it's pretty fascinating that 9,000 people or over 9,000 people are investing $10,000 to play against each other. So <laughs> that to me is fascinating. But I also am just kind of curious, like the history. So what well, it, how many did it, did it start with, oh, these five people play in this poker room and we think, <laughs> well, oh, make this actually, thing happen. Actually, we don't even know because 1970 is technically – the beginning, that's when Benny Binion uh, invited people to come play. And you had to be mm. invited to play then. Uh, okay. But we don't really even know how many entries there were. And it was it was treated more as a, like a cash game then. So not I really. Only. Yeah. And then they voted at the end. They said, "Who's who do we think is the winner? And the, so they didn't actually play down to true tournament style. Okay. Then it wasn't until the next year, 1971, when they did true tournament style. It was a it was a $5,000 buy-in then, so half of what it is today. Okay. Uh, but if you think about that in 1971, that's a huge amount in 1971. Yeah. I would surely say that would limit the number of people that could participate even or even think about or consider participating, right? Yeah. I mean, they had six players then. Whoa. Okay, six. And now we're at 9,000. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, 72, the very next year, they had eight players. But they doubled the buy-in. So it was a $10,000 buy-in, which is the same amount that it is today. So – Quick math. 51 years it stayed at a $10,000 buy-in. Yeah. Thanks for not getting on the inflation train, WSOP. Right. Seriously. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know we're all hurting 
at the moment with that. But okay, so that's actually that that to me is pretty incredible that for 51 years the buy-in has stayed consistent at 10,000 and this is the growth that they've seen, right? Are more right. people traveling internationally to play or is this just a across Oh yeah, definitely. And that's that's actually one of the things that that's one of the things that TJ Clubier mentioned in the magazine article. So if you haven't checked that out, check that out. But that's one of the things that he mentioned in there was when he was playing even and he won most of his bracelets in the eighties, you know, he was talking about they were playing against maybe an international player from you know, the UK or something, but right. nothing like what it is today. People are coming from all over the world now. The best players awesome. in the world are at the WSOP now. Love it. For sure. Love it. Increases competition and excitement. That makes me happy. Yeah. yeah. So do you know uh, who won the, the main event the year that uh, it was the biggest number before this year, like the record that was broken this year. Who won that event? Do you know? Trivia. So big names that come to mind, of course, are a Phil Helmet or uh, Money Maker. Um, but then, then maybe you're throwing this at me because it's a random person that we don't hear of very often. So. Spill no, the tea. It's, it's, Tell it's me somebody, who was it? It's somebody that uh, I was so excited to get to talk to when we first started Annie Up. Oh gosh, Joe, you're gonna put me on the spot here. Oh, just tell us. <laughs> it's Jamie Gold. Oh, that's right. That is okay. Jamie Gold. So, what year was that? That was in 2006, I believe. Okay. So, so they. Uh, so it's a, been a while since they've broken that record. What do you think contributed? I'm sorry. 17 years. Okay. So what do you think's contributed to breaking that record this year? I don't, I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of things that, that can contribute to it, but we have seen an increase all year. We've talked about it numerous times on the podcast. All of these tournaments just continue to shatter guarantees and mm. have record field after record field after record field. And I mean, I, I really think that COVID played a big part in it where they took that away. They weren't able to have these games together for so long. Mm -hmm. And then even when they came back, they, they didn't come back the same way, right? You had to wear a mask. You had the sneeze guards. The first year that the, World Series did come back, then COVID just kind of ran through a lot of the players. And so, right. um, you know, there's there was definitely some some growth that needed to happen. Now here we are in 2023, things are somewhat back to normal. And so everybody, you know, shows up and you have 9,300 plus people that, yeah. that want to play. That, I right. mean, that's the, what I think. The itch to travel, the itch to compete, the 
um, desire to want to go see a new place or participate in a new tournament. Um, you know, and I will say a lot of times during lo the lockdown, people were sharpening skills on things that they didn't even know they were interested in. So it makes sense oh, yeah. to me that there could be an increase in interest in, in playing poker. And then, and then we hear about the, the creation of, of technology like poker cows, where now, even if you knew people during that time that you learned from, now you can play together online, right? So that's expanding Absolutely. and increasing the possibility of, of learning more and, and wanting to play more. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, 2003 is considered the poker boom. That was after Moneymaker won. And um, the numbers dramatically jumped after that, right? So to your point, people sharpening their skills, learning a new game that maybe they didn't even realize how much they loved it, now – they're like, oh, this this game's fun. Let's let's see what we can do with it. And they continue to to build that skill. Now here we are uh, in 2023. They said, well, let's take a shot, right? So mm -hmm. we've seen um, we've seen people from other games that have jumped into poker. We've had a chess player, and mm -hmm. we've had. You know, Magic the Gathering has always been a big game that people have come into poker from. So they, so that makes sense. What you're saying makes sense for sure. So, um, yeah, so this year, who knows what the final number for the main event will be, but, uh, you know, it's going to be an exciting final table for sure because it's going to be a record amount of money won this year. Okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> and honestly, um, I can, well, and also how cool is it that we've, that we've heard from LV and we've kind of been able to keep track yeah. uh, of his progress. And one of my favorite posts he, he put out on social media recently that like, this is no joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His yeah. brain and body has had a complete workout, um, and it's been really, really fun to follow his story to see, you know, how the competition fares compared to what he's used to playing. And I think that's exciting to watch too. So, of course, the final table is fascinating, but then seeing the smaller stories and and along the way to see, you know, just where all these players are coming from, the increase in numbers of women playing the way the game has changed over time um, is just, I think that's, that's a really interesting a part of this year. Absolutely. Yeah. LV had, uh, he had Kings three times and only one time did it, did they win? And so yeah, he had a rough go. And the, the time that he won with them, I think he said that the, uh, he went all in and everybody folded. So, <laughs> so he didn't win a big pot with a medal, but, uh, but yeah, that, uh, that main events, like you said, no, no joke. <laughs> <laughs> so how many more days of competition do we have for the main event with that number of people? Because I would think that increases the time for the game to continue as well. Right. So I think day two starts tomorrow, uh, okay. Saturday, but it's going to be grueling to get down to 
the number that they need to get to in that week after having this record number of people. So right. it's going to be, it's going to be late, late nights and your body is going to be tired and you're going to be, have to make uh, good decisions with, with your brain on autopilot to a degree. Protein, protein, so, protein. Exactly. All I can say, get in a little exercise, get your protein in, make sure you've got your, your blood pumping and stand up. Science says, the longer you sit, your blood goes to your feet or to your seat, and it needs to go to your brain. So if you need to get that moving, uh, get up out of that poker seat and move a little bit to get your blood flowing again. That'll help. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the main event. I think that uh, it, it's going to be a fun ride. I'm going to enjoy watching it. Uh, if you don't have a, a Poker Go subscription, then I would suggest getting it because it's going to be wild watching this ending. So other than that, L, I appreciate you joining me this week. Glad to be here as always. Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter. Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He joins us each week to say how he would rule on situations that come up in your games, and he's with me again this week. Elliot, how you doing? Uh, things are great. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. I mean, it's rainy. It's been rainy for quite some time. 78 degrees and blue skies all week. Uh, uh, well, we'll get there. I, I haven't had an opportunity to enjoy sunny weather in in a bit but it will happen i hope <laughs> uh this week we have a call the floor that was sent in by jody bernard and before we get started on the hand i just want to mention you know this hand that he sent in i understand he was he was pretty upset on this but just for everybody when you send a hand in for, for Elliot to break down uh, for a ruling, then clean it up a little bit. I know he was pretty upset. Maybe he was writing it in the moment, but uh, just make sure it's professional sounding when you send it in so that we can use it. But it is an interesting situation. So the question is, what's more important? What they heard or the action? Basically, it comes down six ways to the flop. The flop is the nine of spades, the five of spades, the six of clubs, and it checks around to Jody, who bets 15 and three people call. The turn comes the four of diamonds, and it checks around to Jody again, and this time Jody announces 80, and starts cutting out chips. As soon as he finishes, he starts to push them forward all in one motion, he says. And one of the guys says, whoa, what is he doing? He announced 18. I heard it. This guy points to his buddy who's not in the hand but at the table and said, didn't you hear 18 too? He says yes, and the dealer says they didn't hear anything. 
but if they heard 18, then verbal is binding. I ask for the floor. He comes and assesses that they heard 18, so it has to be 18, even though my one motion was for 80. He makes me take back my 62 and keep it at 18. The villain obviously calls. The flop is the ace of spades. I muck my hand face up and continue to argue. He says, I'm typically level-headed and don't let my emotions get the best of me, but I didn't feel like this was the right call. Was I in the wrong? Well, Jody, the slight evidence I have to you not being always level-headed uh, <laughs> the fact that you're not wrong. Uh, I think you got railroaded here. I don't like this decision at all. You didn't give any indication that you were betting less than a couple stacks of chips. Uh, you announced your bet at politely, as you were trying to do, and, and as most players should. You got taken advantage of by a player who got the dealer to admit they didn't hear a thing. And then you had a floor person rule on extra information from the players that they didn't get from the dealer. The dealer had no indication that you were betting less than 80. And 80 and 18 are obviously very similar sounding words, especially in a loud environment across the table. That's entirely possible. The dealer saw you bet 80 chips, which should have been the bet. And it's entirely possible they may have folded their flush draw for the overbet of the pot. But... There's no way to know they would have folded before they made their flush. Try not to put too many thoughts in your opponent's head other than trying to get to the river as cheaply as possible. I don't like the floor person's decision here. I think they – why are you disregarding the dealer completely and depending only on the players to make a decision? Uh, why – when you put it all in in one motion, why would you throw four stacks of chip in had you, if you already announced 18? You obviously know what what 80 and 18 look like. Uh, why are we playing 1-3 with only dollar chips? I, this has to stop. Right. I mean, generally 1-3 is already a red chip game in most casinos. Uh, the only place it wasn't a red chip game was uh, the win back in the, the mid-80s in Las Vegas where they decided to run 1-3 uh, no limit with uh, their $3 chips, but it was an uncapped game, so everybody had everything on the table at any time. But for the most part, almost everywhere else it spread, and 1-3 it, it, is almost the predominant game now instead of 1-2. Inflation hit poker right. like everything else. It's generally a red chip game, period. It's a $5 chip game. So yellow chips in, for our folks in Southern California. <laughs> uh, this shouldn't be a dollar chip game. Betting 80 in this spot should have been less than a full stack of chips. But let's get back to the reality of your game, which was white chips. You put in four stacks after announcing a bet. There's no reason you would have announced a bet and put in over four times the amount. Right. It's just not reasonable regardless of what your opponents heard. I would have turned – had I been the floor person in this situation, I would have turned it back on the other players and said, you misheard. It was more than obvious he was betting this much because – I mean, unless two or three people put 18 in the pot and then all of a sudden you, you said it was 80, that would have been a different kettle of fish. That is not this case. Nobody put another dollar in the, in the pot after you put your money in the pot. I'm giving the right. better here the benefit of the doubt. Tie goes to the runner. You're the runner in this spot. 
you weren't trying to pull a move or, or shoot an angle, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, the floor person in this situation completely messed it up. Yeah, I would say from a common sense standpoint, of course, if you're there's no way you would say 18 and then put a giant stack of chips in. However, exactly. one thing that you talk about all the time, aside from common sense, is you have to be able to explain it to the cameras, right? And exactly. there's no way to explain why you're pushing this many forward and it's an 18, a bet of 18. So Precisely. yeah, yeah I, I don't see where that disconnect happened, but yeah. I don't either. So yeah, I, you definitely weren't in the wrong in the situation. You definitely weren't wrong in the situation. I don't know how, angry you got or you know what kind of scene you made or anything like that but you know you definitely were not in wrong because of what you explained for sure so on the other hand when you told the uh you told the floor man to yeah to go f himself he rather yeah. i left, I left that part out. <laughs> yeah that part yeah maybe maybe you leave that part yeah, he, uh, he only talked out for 20 minutes, obviously. I mean, and I've given tournament-type penalties to cash game players, too, when appropriate. This guy was being pretty generous. Generally, uh, when you tell one of my leadership team or myself to uh, to go F myself, uh, you're done for the day, I promise you. And if yeah. you've been a problem in the past, you're probably done for more than a day. So they only gave you 20 right. minutes. Maybe out of guilt, maybe not. Uh but yeah, losing your cool like that, that's tough. I mean, and again, we still don't, we can't predict something that wasn't allowed to occur. We don't know if you still win the pot. We don't know if they fold for the 80. And again, your overbet in that spot was was good enough that you want them to call your bet. So if they do call that bet, they're making their flush no matter what. It was just a bad river and a bad decision, but... You can't be upset that you lost this pot. You lost this pot because you were up against the player making bad plays. Obviously, for the 18, they're getting the right odds to make the play against you, and that's upsetting. Right. But that river's coming out no matter what. That that, that deck is shuffled. Those cards are in, in place. Uh, it was going to happen. Losing your cool is a tough spot. And and I can understand you got – it was a bad decision against you. We don't know if your opponent's making the bad call instead of the good call the 80 instead of the 18. The 18 is a good call. Right. The pot is easily laying in the odds to try to hit the flush. Absolutely. The 80 is a bad call. We don't know if he's going to make it, and we'll never know. Right. So advice, Jody, I would say you were not in the wrong in being upset. Maybe uh, handle it in a more calm fashion. I don't know. I mean, I understand – in the moment, it's hard. But, uh, yeah, thanks for sending that in. And if anyone else has a call to the floor that they would like Elliot to break down, send it to podcast at anyupmagazine.com. Yeah, please Elliot. keep them coming. They've been great. They have been. We've had a really good run of them, so keep them coming. 
And uh, we'll talk again next week, Elliot. Absolutely. Talk then. Thanks a lot. Let's break it down with Hand of the Week. All right. We're back with another Hand of the Week with Patrick. Hey, Patrick. How's it going? I am good, man. How are you? I'm great. Uh, did you have a good We did. Lots of uh, lots of good family time, lots of pool time, some fireworks here and there. But yeah, we had a we had a good time. How about you guys? Oh man. We, well, we went and watched some fireworks here and there too, but uh, but yeah, we we set some off and uh, enjoyed here if you if you do it legally, right? Then you can really only have um, what do you call them? Fountains? Yeah, the fountains, yeah. No, nothing that goes what, you know, house high. Right. And and I'm I'm from Kansas where we shoot off big fireworks, so I'm I'm not used to all that. But that's Yeah, they have um they have them a little farther down south actually. Uh I've got some friends that were down at the, the beaches of North Carolina and South Carolina and got some pictures and as you're referring to in Kansas, those are the mortars that you set off. You, it's, you, you light them and yeah. you turn around and you're good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Also, one thing before we get uh, before we get too far here, um, I got a message from uh, Lauren Shevitz on Twitter, and he mentioned yeah. a couple of things I wanted to address with this segment. Uh, the first thing was actually overall, which uh, he mentioned the audio last week, which I will admit was rough, and I apologize to everyone for that. Um, I tried something new with the mic, and it was bad, so that's on me. Uh, but he also called you out on some of the wording that you used. Oh boy. And I just want to say to, to, <laughs> to be, to be fair, just for all the listeners out there. And, and I probably should have mentioned this, uh, a few times here and there as well, just reiterated this before, but Patrick is a novice player. Um, and he goes through the hand of the week with us, which gives us a perspective to, Everybody that's been playing for a long time gives us some perspective on what a novice player may be thinking in a hand, right? Right. Then we can use that process, that thought process. If you're playing another novice at the tables sometime, you know, what were they thinking at this point or, or whatever? That said, Lauren asks that you please stop saying push when you mean raise. Ah, that all right. So last week, that's right. I was saying push a lot because I was trying to push the action, which I'm kind of getting out of my comfort zone on some of these hands. I see what he's getting right. at. And, you know what? He makes some sense. I'll give him that one. But that's what I was getting at. You know, pu- pushing the action, not necessarily pushing my stack. But I see what he's getting at. Fair enough. Right. So, and just so you, just so everybody knows, after we record, Patrick and I will usually discuss the hand somewhat afterward and thoughts on how he played and et cetera, even further. We can't really do all of that on the air. or We'd have a much longer show. <laughs> quite, um, quite a bit. So, um, but I never, I never thought about that to even talk about uh, that wording because I just assumed you meant pushing the action. So I assumed that's what everybody would have thought too, but. Uh, yeah. Well, understandable. So, no, we'll tell. Well, hey, we'll take feedback anytime. Absolutely, absolutely. That's how, what makes us better, for exactly. sure. Exactly. What do we got this week? This week, we have a hand that's sent in by 
All right. So I've been getting pretty lucky with, with names so far. I haven't had anything super hard to pronounce, but I'm probably going to get this one wrong. Okay. Uh, but it's Micah Ewan. Y-U-A-N. Y-U-A-N. I haven't, I haven't had any that were really super difficult lately, but this one um, I'm assuming is Ewan, and we're going to go Ewan, with that. <laughs> that works. That's what we're going with. <laughs> but uh, Micah says, I've been at the table for about two hours. The villain seems to be a very competent player, very aggressive, but is also playing a lot of hands. Come. I noticed that he does seem to change his bet sizes according to hand strength, though. So if he opens for $20, then it tends to be hands like 10s plus. Yeah. Or if he opens for $15, then it tends to be two Broadway cards. And he limps or flats most everything else. So he just calls or limps most everything else. Says... I also lost a big pot to him less than an hour earlier, and I think that's important to note because it's I I seem to be a little tilted by his aggression now. Gotcha. All which right. is never it's never good to be playing a hand tilted, but nope, that's never. what we got. <laughs> so villain is under the gun and has about five hundred dollars in his in his stack. Come. He opens for $15. Okay. So by his uh, description, that should be a, like two Broadway cards, right? The low jack and the high jack both call. Come. We're in the cutoff with the king of hearts, six of hearts. So what do you do with that? Well, I love the suiteds. I'm probably just going to call. I mean, I, I want to play. I want to go, but I'm not going to go over the top of that one. It's a three bet. I'm, I'm probably going to call. Okay. I don't, here's my. I, I just don't understand. He, Micah, you put out a description here of a guy that says when he bets fifteen dollars, then it's usually two Broadway cards, right? Which could mean a king, very likely yeah. a king, like ace king, king queen, king jack, something like that. And if that's true, why are we involved at all? Fair enough. I he's mean, a, it, a, it yeah, would take I mean, one of our kings. Yeah. And then we're out kicked. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, I mean I, if, if we're taking, yeah, if we're taking Mike at how he's describing things, I mean, take a step back and if we if we did not know that information, and 15 comes out, king six suited. Yeah, I, I'm definitely calling, you know, for the sake of it. But you do make a great point. I mean, if knowing that and what Michael was saying, he's got a pretty decent read on how he has, you know, moved the action as far as once those bets come out to 10 to 15. I mean, he's got eight, like you said, ace king, ace queen, maybe. Then, you know, if yeah. it is ace king, then there's one of the outs, like exactly like you said, you know, should we just. See ya. We'll see you in the next hand. Right. Yeah. I mean, we don't even have any money invested at this point. So I, I just, to me, this seems like a clear fold. Yeah. But, but he is kind of tilted with this player. Maybe he wanted to get involved. So Micah calls. Come. And uh, it looks like the blinds folded. So 
the pot is $60. Okay. And the flop is the Ace of Hearts, Ten of Diamonds, Eight of Hearts. The under the gun leads out for $30. The low jack folds. And the hijack goes all in for his the rest of his chips, which is only $56. So just another $26 on top. Now you have the nut flush draw. Yep. What do you do with that? So this will be a, an interesting one to, to kind of digress. So now that we're in the hands. So my thought process before, as soon as you said that the the under the gun went in for thirty, I'm going over the top on him. So I was thinking, <laughs> you know, for I was thinking forty five or forty five to sixty anyways. So this is interesting to see what your take would be on it compared to you know me at my level. So my gut would say, okay, we'll just call the hijack at his fifty six because that that solves what I want to do anyways. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not a legal raise, so you know that it doesn't open the action back up. Right. So the, if you just call, then the under-the-gun player cannot raise. Right. He can only call, and then we go So, and, and that's what Micah does. He says, since this is not a legal raise, I know the under-the-gun can't put in any more than that, so it's an easy call is what he says. Well, there you go. All right, perfect. Well, Micah, um, your thoughts, though. I was kind of thinking the same way as you, but I was thinking, okay, what if – so we're the only one that can raise. Right. So what if we raised over the top of that? Do we push him out? Because the question is, if another heart comes, right, if we make our nut flush, do we actually get paid? Do we get any more money anyway? So is it better to put it in now? And know that if a heart comes, we already got that money in there so we can get paid. Yeah, I um, see what you're getting at. I mean, that's that's the only thought process that I can see there. But then the flip side to that is if you reopen the betting to the under the gun, then we'd have to have a plan if he came over the top of our raise. Yeah. So I definitely don't think a call is bad here. But if we wanted to push the action, I wouldn't have a problem with that either. Okay. So it's definitely not a fold, right? We can all agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> so so we call what does under the gun end up doing? Does he end up matching it? Yeah, so under the gun also oh, calls come. the pot's two hundred and twenty eight at this point. And the turn is the Queen of Diamonds. It definitely gives us some more outs. Um so right now we have, correct me if I'm wrong, we've got Ace of Hearts, Ten of Diamonds, Eight of Hearts, Queen of Diamonds. Yes. Okay. All right, so action is under the gun. What does he do? The under the gun bets 75. And the hijack's all in, so it's on us now. 75, so that's about a little over a quarter of the pot. I don't think at this point, if we re-raise on top of him, do we really push him out at this point? I mean, I could be wrong, but I would probably call that and then just see the river. Um, yeah, I think – well, Micah says I'm in full tilt mode, 
and I don't want to back down with a nut flush draw and a gutter to Broadway. Yeah. I feel like I can easily call, then fold any brick on the river or jam when my draw completes. But, he says, but. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Here comes the, the but. <laughs> my emotion got the better of me, and I jam for $279. <laughs> Yeah. So well, let's <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about tilt for a minute. <laughs> Cause Micah says he can easily fold any brick on the river. But he went into this hand on tilt to begin with, right? He was already talking about how he was tilted. So now if he ends up folding on the river, that tilt only gets worse. Yeah, not to mention are you really going to be able to fold it and not try, not try to take him down after the river comes and you and you miss? I mean, if you're already yeah. on tilt, if you're already on tilt at that point, you might end up, you know, trying to take him down anyways with nothing in your hand. So, you know, right. you really want to play with the emotions that way. So the 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 problem that I have with the jam though is we're shoving 279 really to win a a side pot of 75, right? Yeah. Because the main pot, we still have an all-in player who can still win the main pot. Yeah. But if he calls, then you're still you're going to get a double up and then some, right? If you hit. Uh, so I don't hate the jam. I don't hate that he shoves in there, but if he folds, you're just winning 75. Yeah. And then obviously we still have a lot of outs to um win the hand. Honestly, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the shove is the best move just because of emotions, and yeah, just ride. Um, yeah. So if you lose, you just walk away and and say, "All right, I at least I tried to win the hand." Yeah. And if you win, obviously you can turn things around and play the rest of the the session not on tilt. <laughs> Fair enough. But but he jams. Under the gun tanks, he says, for a solid two minutes and eventually folds. Oh, all right. Well, there you go, Micah. Well played. So we take the side pot, and the river is the nine of hearts. So we scoop the pot. When the hijack turns over, pocket kings. Ouch. So that's his fault for not shoving – his money in pre-flop. Yeah, right out the gate. Yeah, you missed on that Because we would have been out of that hand for sure. Yep. Under the gun claims he folded the ace eight for a flopped two pair. Micah says that seems unlikely to me, but I don't know. Well, I mean. I haven't been playing with him long enough to be able to say, but. Yeah, exactly. With Without playing with him, you don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. It seems likely enough to flop two pair and then, you know, play that way. That being said, if. You know, if Mike has got a good read on him before he started the hand, you know, the, the $15 bet doesn't scream ace-eight. It screams, you know, ace-king, ace-queen, ace-jack, something like that. I don't know. Something's wrong here because if what he says is true about the Broadway cards, then ace-eight is not a $15 bet, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I was getting. I was like, all right, well, then that's not it. I mean – 
at least from my point of view, if we're, you know, Mike is, like you said, he's got a good read on him and a $15 bet is, you know, like we said, ace king or ace queen, maybe even ace jack, whatever, you know, or kings, you know, something along those lines. Then the very, very start to go all the way back, king six of hearts is, uh, hey, have a nice day. You guys, you know, battle it out. Hindsight being 2020, yeah, you know, maybe tilt got you in, in, in and out of this one with, with a nice little pot, but that doesn't always happen. So I can, I can fully right. for that one. Right. So. Yeah. So Micah, you, I mean, you, you won it. That's good. Uh, I don't think in my case, I wouldn't have been involved in that hand to begin with. I would have folded pre-flop, but congratulations on the win. Yeah. I think once he was in though, he played everything pretty well. Like, you know, as kind of, as we went through it. So I think he played, everything spot on once he was in the hand so good for you mike yeah i mean you, you can make a case either way for the shove he could have called and sh or he could have shoved uh i think for his emotions then he's probably that's probably the best move but uh but yeah that's it definitely wasn't played super bad except for like i said i just wouldn't have been in the hand but all right well patrick i appreciate it uh, if anybody else has a hand of the week that they would like Patrick and I to break down, send it to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. And Patrick, uh, appreciate it. Have a good one. Hey, you too. Cheers, bud. The question is, how are you running? Right, I am joined this week by Greg Ostrick, and he has created an interesting new game called Slotker. So before we get too far, Greg, the first question is always, how you running? Well, I'm running pretty good. Uh, we're kicking off the Slotker game. We're getting some advertising out there for it. Uh, don't ask me about how I'm running in Texas Hold'em. Uh, I I've had a couple of rough spots playing Texas Hold'em recently, but uh, I'm doing okay with that too. Very good. <laughs> well, tell me about Slotker a little bit. Tell me, you know, how did you get started? How did you get from the beginning processes to the production stage? Well, last year, sometime around August, I'm playing Texas Hold'em at one of the local games. And one of the things that poker players do is they play slots too. They'll they'll run back and forth from the poker table to the slot machines. And over the years, you know, over the last couple of decades, I've noticed that that lots of people who like to play poker play slots. And I do too on occasions. So I just got the idea. I said, I could probably merge the two together in a single card game where we distribute slot machine symbols throughout the deck of playing cards. And I had to work on this trying to figure out well which slot machine symbols should i use should i use sevens you know wild cards or whatever uh and i came up with just let's use the six basic classic familiar slot machine symbols you know the lemons the cherries the oranges the plums the bells and the bars so uh then i had to figure out well how am i going to place those on the cards which cards are going to get which symbols so I kind of distributed them evenly around the deck, and I came up with the formula that we would have 13 lemons followed by 11 cherries, 
10 oranges, eight plums, six bells, and four bars. And so when you get to four bars, well, there are four deuces through four aces in the deck. So we make a transition from slot machine symbols to poker card values. So you're going to be playing for three of a kind hands and whether it's slot machine symbols or poker card values. Now, poker card values will always beat slot machine symbols. So if somebody gets three sevens or three jacks, that'll beat any slot machine symbols. And then if two players are tied with say three cherries apiece, then you play the poker hand on top of that using the three card poker hand, which would be a high card, a pair, a straight or a flush. And so you're playing both the slot machine symbols and the poker card values. And you can say that actually the poker card values are combined with the slot machine symbols. So it's not one or the other, it's you using both. Yeah, so there's a lot of strategy that actually goes into this when you're trying to think, okay, I gotta go for a three of a kind. Do I use the the slot machine symbols or do I, you know, use the the numbers? Okay. Well, well, one thing I wanted to point out was that when this game is played, it's supposed to simulate the play of a slot machine. So you put one chip in, and the original game, three-card slotter, people get three cards each. Now, a lot of times, players will have two lemons or two sevens or two bells, uh, and then they can decide which card they want to throw away. Sometimes you might have two cherries while you might have uh, two fours. So do you draw for a four or do you draw for a cherries? Well, uh, and then the idea of being able to discard one card is kind of like when some of these new slot machines have the reels where you can move one reel up or down. Well, you can discard a card and get a card to simulate that action of a slot machine. And if you're playing, say, four players on three-card slotker, uh, there's no guaranteed winner. So when you start off, you put in one ship into the pot, just like you put in one dollar coin into a slot machine. And if there's no winners, then you put in another chip and you deal another hand. So it also becomes, you know, a simulation of a slot machine as a progressively increasing payout for the eventual winner. So there was a lot of strategy that went into uh, what symbol went on which card and how you arranged that. Right which then leads to the strategy of us playing the game, right? Right. On, on our website, if you go to slot machine symbol distribution, and it'll show you the charts of how the cards are laid out and how the slot machine symbols were placed. So it kind of spans the, the suits of the cards and the uh, values of the cards. And therefore, also, uh, I wanted to have it so that you're using standard poker rankings when you play the three-card poker hand. You had actually sent me uh, some of the cards, and I, I mean, I have to say, one of the things that really impressed me was that you didn't go cheap on the production of them either. Like, you know, th they're good quality, durable right. cards. Did you have a Did you have a deck that you could kind of show there? Okay, this this is the back. It's got the logo, and then. Yeah, so you've got the number, you've got the suit, you've got the the slot machine symbol, and it's a standard 52-card deck, right? Absolutely. So te technically, you could use this as a just regular playing card deck if you wanted to, right? Yeah, you, you, 
could actually play just uh, regular poker, seven card stud, Texas Hold'em. Uh, and you could also tie in maybe a jackpot if anybody gets three bars while playing a standard poker game. So there's all kind of ways to play the games. And people can come up with their own games. We came up with, you know, nine flagship games for this. You have a three-card version, three-card slocker, four-card slocker, and five-card slocker. Those are the main three. And when you get the four and five cards, you could be looking at two jacks and two cherries and two lemons, and you get more combinations of uh, ways to make a three-of-a-kind hand. And the cards are also dealt face-up. So you're not only interested in your own cards, you're interested in what all the other players have too. So it gets... It has that little social element where people are going to be talking about, you know, what do you have? Show me that. Uh, oh, I'm going, to have to hit, uh, I'm going to have to hit an orange because this guy already has uh, lemons or cherries, something like that. Yeah, and that's awesome. Uh, and and one of the things I love about the game as well is, you know, there's so many variations. So you can play multiplayer, you can play solitaire, you can try to beat your own score in the different variations. Um, and I think that's a great way to learn the game as well. You know, also, one of the things about this game too is, and, and we'll get to where you can buy it in just a minute, but but the cost of games just keeps right. going up and up and up and up and up. But yeah. this is a game that you can get for under twenty dollars, and so th I mean, this is a gaming house here, so that has a huge value as far as I'm concerned. And 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 it's simple. There's there are no complicated boards or complicated rules. I've seen a lot of these games out there. They have game pieces. They have uh, elaborate designs. Uh, things that are quite confusing and mind boggling to try to say. Okay, how am I going to figure this game out? This one is just very simple. Uh, slots is one of the biggest games in the world of casino playing, and so is poker. And I thought, well, I could merge the two together in a kind of a logical game where the the slot machine symbols are ranked by the quantity of each symbol distributed throughout the deck, and those flow directly into poker card values of three of a kind. So it makes a, a logical transition. And... It's. I, I think it's just a great little game. Uh, although I would say that since I created the game, I find myself addicted to just trying to see, you know, uh, what my best hand would be running through a deck, playing such as the solitaire uh, single player game. So yeah, like I said before, you know, it's it's it is a simple game, but it has that great strategy element to it as well. So where can everybody get the game first of all? Well, right now it's only available on slotker.com on the uh, buy slotker link. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's slotker s l o t k e r just like it is there in the background, and there's a link there where everybody can buy it, right? Yes. And, and the name slotker, of course, is slots poker, and I kind of converge the names together to that. So how long did it? Just just a side note. How long did it take you to put all this? together like where you were going to put each of the symbols and and really thinking about the uh, process there how long did that take you well once i had the idea i started working on it and it took me about four months to come up with the design that we have now with the distribution and i had to test out the hands 
so that if two people are tied with the same three slot machine symbols, uh, I had to make the cards statistically work as using three card uh, or you know regular poker uh, rankings. And so uh, near the last few weeks of designing this, I had to change like a cherry with a lemon and an orange with uh, two cherries over here. And so I, I worked it out and, and came up with the eventual uh, design and uh, distribution of the slot machine symbols on this. Well, Greg, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and talk about this with us. Uh, we're going to have a slot in the, the magazine as well, no pun intended, right. uh, for people to be able to click on the ad and get to your website to order it. We'll also have a link at the bottom of this podcast so people can click on that and, and order it. Um, but... I would definitely recommend everybody go out, check this game out. We're definitely going to be playing it in this house. So, Greg, we'll talk again soon. Right, Joe. Great. It's time for Joe's One Outer. What a year for the World Series of Poker. The main event has shattered the record for entries. Three players have captured their sixth career bracelet, and four others have won their fifth. Chris Brewer had such an emotional win after so many tough losses, and that was great to see. Billy Baxter went deep in the seniors, winning second place. I loved seeing him there shortly after talking with me for the next Where Are They Now segment. Phil Helmuth entered the main event as the greatest showman. Then he proceeded to let the F-bombs fly after he lost a hand, vintage Helmuth style. Earlier in the series, he won his 17th bracelet. There was some controversy too, though, with cheating allegations and super long lines. But I gotta tell you, the WSOP management staff should be commended for how smooth things have gone so far. Poker is stronger than ever, and I, for one, have been so excited to see guarantees crushed and records broken. Is this another poker boom? Can this be even bigger? I, for one, can't wait to see how they top this year in 2024. But first, I'll be watching to see how this year shakes out. That's today's one-outer, and that's today's show. See you next week, A-Team. And until then, I'll see you at the tables. The Any Up Podcast is a production of AnyUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AnyUpMagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at AnyUpMagazine.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.